0: Pray with me. Father, thank you for this morning. Lord, I'm super excited to be here, to be with your people, to be in your presence. Um, Lord, I'm just believing big things this morning. Um, Not because of me, not because of us, but because I believe in you. I believe in the power of your Holy Spirit. I believe in the power of your truth and your word. And so I'm asking now that you would just remove distraction from us. Remove thoughts um, of the week or the past week or the weekend, God, the struggles. Would you just... Allow us, in a unique way, to just be emptied of those things so that we can truly hear your voice speak to us this morning. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I have to share with you this morning um, a problem that I have. And I think it's a problem that most of you have or you struggle with, and it's a problem of contentment. A problem of contentment. Um, Let me give you an example. This past Monday night, um, I was sitting on our couch watching Netflix, okay, watching Person of Interest, and um, one of my favorite new shows, by the way, and uh, I was watching that and totally engrossed in that show, and I had a hankering for something sweet, and I'm sitting there on the couch, and man, I've been trying to kind of do this little diet thing or whatever, right, and it seems like everybody's still trying to do this diet thing. I still am, but I was really hankering, hungering for something sweet, and I knew that over the weekend I had purchased some Valentine candy that was half off. You can't resist that. At least I can't. And I was like, dude, 50% it's awesome. So I bought it, and I put it in our candy cupboard in our kitchen, and I knew that it was sitting in the candy cupboard. And so I pause my show, I walk into the kitchen, and it's funny how when you know you're about to do something you probably shouldn't do, you try to hide or try to be secretive. So I'm like standing in our kitchen, right, outside the, can- the family's in the living room, and they, they know I've gone into the kitchen, it's weird, I don't know. And I'm like standing there, go to the candy cupboard, pull out this bag of peanut butter Snickers that I'd purchased over the weekend. And I'm like, dude, this is going to be great. So I rip open the candy, uh, the peanut butter Snickers, and I, I ate one. While I'm still watching the show, okay, the, the show's still going on. Family's in there, but I'm in the kitchen. They're in the living room. Somehow, I think I'm hiding and I'm being secretive, so no one can see my sin of discontentment. And so, here's where it gets sinful: is I'm eating the one peanut butter Snickers, and it's just like, dude, that was so good. And so, I go and I grab another one and I pop a second one in my mouth. I ended up eating four. Um, I have a problem. Right? And Snickers has a problem because they're lying to us. Because one truly did not satisfy me at all. It took four uh, for, for me to be satisfied with Snickers. And, and this, this discontentment, right? It kind of shows up. We all struggle with it at times in different ways, in different arenas. It shows up even when we're little. You know, I've ever been to a birthday party for two, three, or four-year-olds, right? And all these sweet little friends bring their gifts for the one that they love so much, and the, the tables littered with loads of gifts. And the birthday boy, birthday honoree, you know, birthday girl, they open up the presents, and they're super pumped. They're filled with glee, and you got two, three other their dearest friends bawling their eyes out because they didn't get any presents, right? Or Christmas, right? Christmas morning. You know, everybody's opened their gifts, there's mounds of gifts, and the one child who's, you know, kind of like stacking, did I get more or less, or whatever, goes around and counts the others, and they realize that maybe they got 10, and their sister got 12, and they're all upset, right? It's supposed to, I mean, this struggle of discontentment, and you would think that as we get older, we would grow out of it. We don't, all Right? It just moves from the arena of birthday parties and Christmas morning to the workplace, to career to relationships, to our bank account, all those different things. I mean, it shows up in the workplace, and our career path, where we think if I could just get that, that next job or that promotion, and there's nothing wrong with that, looking for a different job or promotion. But if we're looking for those things to bring us to that state of satisfaction, which is really what contentment means, we're going to be dissatisfied. But, but we search and we strive and we strain for that next job, thinking it will bring contentment. Then we're in it for three or four years. We're like, eh, it's not all it cracked up to be, so now I'm looking for something else. right? And this, this desire, this struggle to be content shows up in relationships. right? We think if I could get married, get remarried, get a boyfriend, get a girlfriend, or get rid of the girlfriend or boyfriend I currently have, then I'd be content. Right, So we pursue all this, then we get the perfect one that we think was perfect, and then we get into it and we realize all those struggles that I thought would be over, of loneliness, significance, lust, whatever I just get a whole new set of problems. Right? So the struggle of discontent continues even in the arena of relationships. Then it really shows up in the area of our bank accounts. right? You think, man, if I could just get that $500,000 tax refund, that would solve all my issues. <laughs> Right? I mean, it would solve every issue. It would solve a lot of problems, right? But then unexpected bills come up or whatever. It would bring you a whole other set of, of problems. And so the struggle of discontentment continues. And, and what's interesting about the, the problem is that we think we can get contentment by changing our circumstances, making more money, getting that relationship, a different job. So what do we do? We live our lives striving and straining to try to change our circumstances to get contentment. And so we eat the Snickers that we think will satisfy us, only to find out that a few hours later we're still hungry. (laughs) So we have a problem, and the problem is that we're not content. We struggle with contentment. And that's our problem, but what's amazing is, is there a solution? Is there a secret sauce to satisfy this longing for contentment? And the answer to that question is, yes, absolutely there is. And here's what's crazy about the solution is that this solution is independent of your relationship status, how much or how little is in your bank account or your career path. That should be freeing. I mean, that's incredible good news, knowing that there is a joyful contentment available independent of our circumstances. And so the next question is, so what is this secret, if you will, to contentment? What's the Snickers Really, that satisfies. Well, Paul's going to reveal that to us in the closing statements of his letter, this first century letter to his friends at Philippi. And actually, he's going to reveal to us a secret to joyful contentment. And where we're going to go this morning is I want to investigate that secret. And then we're going to look at what does that contentment that Paul talks about produce? What are the responses that flow out of having this Contentment. So join me in Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through the end of chapter 4, and then we'll look at the secret to joyful contentment that Paul shares with us. He writes, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, For I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Underline that. Mark it. Highlight that statement. That's crazy what he's saying right there. I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance, and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. Which is crazy because he's in prison. And while he's in prison, he's been able to impact some of the imperial guard of Caesar's household for the cause of Christ. Crazy what God is doing through Paul here in the first century. And he closes with saying, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. So let's look first in verses 10 through 13 at this secret that Paul reveals to uh, joyful contentment. A little understanding here. He says in verse 10, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Little background here on the situation in which Paul is writing. Paul started this house church in Philippi. And so he would stay there for two or three years and then he would move on to other cities to make more disciples of Christ. And he references that in verse 18. It says, um, or in verse 16, even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. So from Philippi, once he had started that house church, he goes to Thessalonica, he starts another house church and he did that throughout multiple times. Ends up in Athens in in one journey. And over the period of, of time, the Philippians lost touch with Paul. They didn't have the means of communication like we have it today. So they lost sight of and touch with where Paul was. And eventually they find out that Paul's in Rome and in prison. And, And I want you to see through what Paul's saying, the heart of this house church in Philippi. They had a real desire to come alongside Paul and to financially support his ministry. And so once they find out where Paul is, oh, wow, he's in prison in Rome they say, hey, Epaphroditus, you're our pastor, our house church pastor. We've taken an offering and we want you to travel 700 miles to get this financial gift to Paul. And that's what happens. And that's what he says. Epaphroditus showed up and he gave me this gift, this offering that you gave me. And so Paul's saying in verse 10, when I got it, I rejoiced greatly. I couldn't believe that you did all that for me. And he says that now at length you've revived your concern for me. And he says, you were concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. He's being very gracious. saying, I know that, you know, I don't want you to feel bad that it took forever for you on, to get this gift to me. It's, it's not a big deal. He's like, I know you were concerned for me. You just didn't know where I was. So he's being very gracious here. And then he goes on in verse 11, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I'm to be content then the latter parts of verse, of verse 12, he says, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger. So Paul's in prison. He's received this financial gift from this house church in Philippi through their house church pastor Epaphroditus. And he's saying, man, I'm just so thankful for you all. It's just a reminder of how much you love me and you're concerned for me. But he said, I want you to know I wasn't like knocking on doors asking for money. I've learned in every situation to be content. Every situation. He says it two times. I have learned to be content. verse 12, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger. Contentment was something Paul had to learn. And what's crazy is that Paul has learned it so well that even though it might look like to you and to me he had needs, he wasn't worried. Do not be anxious for anything. Paul's like, I'm not worried. You may be staying up at night and not be able to sleep at night because of my needs and what I'm going through, but I'm content. I've learned to be content. And so it's something here that we need to understand that Paul's learned that contentment is not determined by our circumstances. Now, keep in mind Paul's circumstances. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he was shipwrecked three times, beaten three times, robbed, and imprisoned who knows how many times. And he's saying in whatever situation, I'm content. Dude, what that guy has, I want. I want that. I need that. And what he's saying is that, you know what, our contentment isn't determined by your circumstances. It's not, it's not determined by if you live in a 700-square-foot mobile home or a 5,000-square-foot home. It's not determined by if your fridge is stocked or if it's empty. It's not determined by if you have 10000 in your savings, or you're in a situation where you're living paycheck to paycheck. He's saying, whatever the situation, I've learned to be content. There's a contentment available to you that I've received and that I have that's independent of my circumstances. Paul has learned to no longer cry at the birthday parties. He's learned now to celebrate with the birthday boy or the birthday girl. He's learned that. And so I read that and go, dude, what's your secret? What's, what's the secret to contentment? And he tells us, look at verse the end of verse 12. He says, I've learned the secret. He calls it a secret. I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And here's the secret it's verse 13. The secret is I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. The secret to this joyful contentment is Christ, is being in Christ and resting in His strength and the promise that He's going to supply my needs. Now, this verse is one of the most quoted verses from this letter to the Philippians. But we need to understand the context in which Paul says this. He says this verse in the context of learning to be content. And in the context of him living in obedience to Christ. We were watching American Ninja Warrior like the other night. And the, one of the contestants had a, the t-shirt on. And the back of his t-shirt said Philippians 4.13, right? I can, do, I can accomplish the American Ninja Warrior obstacle course because I have Jesus. Yeah, I mean, Jesus, you know... I'm, but the context in which Paul's writing this and making this statement is in the context of learning to be content as I'm living my life on mission for Jesus. That's the context in which Paul is saying this. I mean, Paul's in prison for Pete's sake. He's been shipwrecked three times. He's saying, listen, I can, I've learned to be content that when I invest my life into the mission of Jesus Christ, I can, and I'm in Christ, I know God's going to take care of me. It may not, it may mean I'm, I may not have the 401k that I want to have. I might not have the house that I would love to have, but I'm investing my life into the greatest mission of all time. The mission of helping people become followers of Jesus Christ. And to me, that's worth it. And I've learned to be content. He says, you know, when I read this, I'm like, dude, seriously, man. I mean, the secret to being contentment to, to joyful contentment is Christ It can't be that stinking simple. It is. It's just you and I don't believe Jesus is enough. I don't believe Jesus is enough. And the problem is, if Jesus is willing to go to the cross to bring you into the kingdom of God, he's not going to stop taking care of you. If he went to that extreme to make sure you enter the kingdom of God, he's going to make sure that once you're in the kingdom, you're taken care of and you're taken care of, and you have all that you need. Paul wrote this. He wrote this in Romans 8. He said, If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since He, God, did not spare even His own Son, Jesus, but gave Jesus up for us all, won't He also graciously give us all things? So, maybe God's allowing us or allowing you to experience the circumstance you're in right now to expose what you're looking to for contentment other than Jesus Christ. <laughs> God knows that if you're looking for something other than Christ to satisfy you, eventually you'll be dissatisfied. He knows that. And so maybe some of the times, the experiences that we have, the circumstances we go through, it's very loving and gracious of God because He knows what's best for you, that your gaze is on Christ, not on how much or how little's in your bank account, not on your relationship status, not on your job, but on Christ. Paul's focus is on Jesus, and he says, I can do all things, really, it should be in Christ who strengthens me. It's amazing how, you know, when our kids were little, and there was a thunderstorm, like in the middle of the night, and they were asleep, and it was like flashes of lightning, and loud thunder, and howling wind, right? I don't know why I'm making my face like this about a thunderstorm, but I am. So it was crazy, right? And then, like, it wakes them up, and then they come into your bedroom, Right, and they would come into our bedroom, crawl in her bed, and it blows they immediately go, they go back to sleep. What is up with that? Right? I mean they're just huh, screaming crazy, thunder, lightning, everything. They come into mom and dad's room, get on the covers, and dude, it's all good. Nothing the thunderstorm's still going. The circumstances outside have not changed. But they are where they need to be. They know they're safe. They know they're safe in mom and dad's room. They know that mom and dad love them. They know that mom and dad will take care of them no matter what. So Paul knows, I'm in Christ. I'm safe. Christ loves me. So no matter what circumstances might happen to me on the outside, I'm good to go. (laughs) Because I've got Jesus and I'm in Jesus. I'm in him. And because I'm in him, I know he loves me. I know I'm safe. I know that no matter what happens to me, he's going to meet my needs. So it didn't matter what Paul's circumstances were. It didn't matter how difficult life became as he made others and helped others live Christ and make Christ known. He could be at rest. He could be content. And it's the same for us. And here's the principle for us, I think, this morning. The secret to joyful contentment is being in Christ, living in obedience to Christ, and resting in his strength and his promise to supply. Don't claim this verse if you're willfully living in disobedience to Jesus. That's not the context. context here. Paul is living his life on mission in obedience to Jesus Christ. He's in Christ and he's saying, you know what? When I have to use money out of my own account because we're having a living community that night and you know we may not be able to go out to eat or whatever as a family, it's a sacrifice for us. I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. If I'm going to take money, I'm going to have people in my home and they're going to mess it up. I'm going to have neighbors over do the Christmas thing, whatever, and have neighbors over, you know, all that kind of thing. And it it affects us as a family in some way. I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. If it means us moving to a different neighborhood so those people can come and hear about Christ, and it might mean we may not have the house that we always dreamt of or whatever, I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. That's the context and what Paul's saying. And so what's this look like? What's it produced? Okay, so if you have this contentment in Christ, as you're growing and knowing Christ and growing in your satisfaction in Christ, like Jesus is enough. If this contentment in Christ is the tree, then what's the fruit that comes from it? And I think we see that in the remaining verses. Paul says in verse 14 through 16, he says, it was kind of you to share my trouble. He's saying, even though to me, I didn't have any needs, you still gave. It was still so very generous of you. They sent him this generous financial gift, and he says in verse 15, and you Philippians yourselves know that, right, when I started out planting the house church with you all, and, and when I left you, and there was no other church that partnered with me to help supply my needs other than you. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you made sure that my needs were met. Now we need to understand something about the Philippian church. They were not a wealthy people. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 to a church in Corinth describing the Philippians in Macedonia. He said this, And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Well, Philippi was in the region of Macedonia. And he says, In the midst of a very severe trial, check this out, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty. <laughs> How does that go together? Overflowing joy, extreme poverty. They've got something. Their joy is not grounded in how much or how little is in their bank account. They've got a contentment in spite of their circumstances. And what happens? It welled up into rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability entirely on their own. No one coerced them. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. Why? Because it says they had given themselves first of all to the Lord. They were in Christ. And then by the will of God also to us. The Philippians were in deep poverty and yet they were still incredibly financially generous toward Paul. One of the fruits that comes from being content in Christ is the fruit of generous giving. You can't avoid it. That's what he's talking about here. When you're content in Christ, and you know Christ is going to take care of you, what do you need? You become a generous giver. And what this tells us is that the more you grow in contentment in Christ, the more generous you will become. You just will. Because you're not wrapping your life around Or your significance around how much or how little you have in your bank account. It's wrapped around the mission of Jesus and helping others become followers of Christ. And I know we're talking about pocketbooks here, so right? It kind of feels there can be tension, right? You might feel that a little bit. That's good. Embrace that. Embrace it. Don't reject it. Embrace it. Because this isn't about God needing your money. This is about God wanting your heart. That's what this is about. They had learned the secret to joyful contentment was being in Christ. If I'm in Christ, he will take care of me. He will take care of me, they said. God knows that often our hearts are wrapped around how much or how little's in our bank account. So he has to go there in order to get our hearts often. Jesus said this. He said, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures treasures in heaven for where your treasure is there your heart will be also can i challenge us this morning if you want to grow in contentment in christ you want to grow in knowing christ and being satisfied in christ then give give generously give generously i'll tell you this our reluctance to give is a reflection of our unbelief that jesus is enough and that he will take care of us They were in deep poverty. And he says they didn't just give up to their ability, they went beyond their ability. Why? My God will supply all our needs according to his riches, he says. You see, one of the fruits that comes from contentment in Christ is generous giving, but let's keep going. He says this, he goes on and he says in verses 17 and 18, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I've received full payment and more. I'm well supplied. You've taken care of me. I've received what you sent with Epaphroditus. And it's become a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. See, these were people that were putting their money where their mouth was. They were. They were saying, I'm all in on Jesus. And I truly believe that Jesus will take care of my needs. So Paul, what do you need? All right, let's give it. But what about, let's give it. and see what's crazy here crazy amazing is that they were generous in their giving because they had this contentment in Christ and their generous giving produced extravagant worship for the Lord that's what Paul's saying he says i seek i don't it's not that i need it he's learned to be content he says i don't necessarily need your financial gift but what i do want from it is the worship that god's going to receive from it That's what he's saying. He uses this Old Testament imagery as the, as you would come and bring your sacrifice into the Old Testament temple and the temple would fill with, fill with smoke and just this aroma that, yes, there are sacrifices being made. There's worship taking place in the temple. Paul's saying when you are generous in your giving and that comes from a cheerful heart because of your contentment in Christ, the halls of heaven are filled with the aroma of your worship. That's what he's saying. You ever walk into a home, and the moment you walk into the home, there's this aroma, and they've been burning those scented candles? Sometimes it's good, right? And sometimes it's not a good scented candle. That's my opinion, but vanilla is usually pretty good. So you walk into a home, and it's like the vanilla, and you're just like, Poof. dude, that's sweet. That's so good. You just kind of like feel like you're floating. I love this house. It smells so delicious, right? And you just kind of saying, listen, when you give... When you give generously, you're content in Christ, and you're confident that Christ is going to take care of you. Man, heaven just fills with worship. It just fills with extravagant worship. But when we don't, we miss out on the opportunity to express that extravagant worship to the Lord. The Philippians gave, and they were generously giving. And as a response, what happened to their generous giving, it became this This expression of extravagant worship and also when you're content in Christ, it produces, verse 19, confident anticipation that God will meet your need as you give. Confident anticipation. He doesn't say, my God might supply every need. If you're good, if you're a good boy, then maybe God... No, he's like, listen, if you're content in Christ, listen, this Christ that went to the cross for you, he's going to take care of you. And when you're living in obedience to Jesus and living out his mission and you're investing in that with your life and even with your pocketbook, he's saying, listen, God is going to take care of you. He's going to supply your need. That's anticipating with confidence. Listen, I tell people all the time, I, I don't like the stress that comes from living by faith. We've been there. We've been in situations as a family where we didn't know where we were going to, how we're going to pay the bills. We didn't know how we're going to put food on the table. We've been there experience it firsthand i remember a time when we came back from ireland and just believing that god had wanted us had called us to do this and and plant the church and all of that and i picked up a sales job and it was all commission all straight commission never done a sales job in my entire life and i remember doing this and i'm out on making my rounds or whatever and uh, i remember being in a parking lot and we had this bill that came in the mail we were in an apartment in Fairfield, Ohio at the time, all the kids. And we are pretty open with our kids about needs we have and other stuff. We had told the kids, we just started praying together, right? God, somehow you're going to do this. We know you're going to meet the need. I remember sitting in a parking lot after I just, it was all cold calling. If, you know, you're going knocking on a businesses. Would you like office cleaning? No. <clears throat> you know, that was my job, basically, all day long, right? It was tough, hard. I remember sitting in the parking lot, and I know that this is all commission, and I know we got this bill due, and I'm sitting there bawling my eyes out in a parking lot. A little Saturn, tan Saturn car, bawling like a baby. Going, God, help us. I don't know how we're going to pay this. And I'll never forget, after I called out to the Lord, Grant At that time, I had no plans to share this story. It's not, you can testify right there, it's not even there. And I'll never forget this. Grant, at that age, I forget how old he was, six or seven, calling on the phone and saying, Dad, God did it. He did it. We got this check in the mail, I don't even know who it's from, and he did it. God did it. One, I had to repent. Because of my faith, it was so weak. But I will never forget that story, ever, of how God provided for our needs. And some of us, were missing out on the stories of God's faithfulness because we're not satisfied in Christ. There are stories waiting for us. He says, when you step out in faith and you're content in Christ and you're living out the mission of Jesus, my God will supply your needs. It might look different. You might think of supply one way and God might think of it a different way. But He will take care of you. He will meet your needs. Those of you who were with us several weeks ago um, know that an anonymous donor had given study Bibles for everyone within Living Church. I think there are two left out at the information table. Don't run now, wait later. Okay, so just got to lay it on their heart. We just believe that if people know the Word, they're going to know Christ. And so we don't want anyone to have an excuse for not having a Bible. And so they went out step, took a step of faith, believing that they were going to t- get a tax refund. And they said, "We haven't received the refund yet, but we're going to do it. And we're going to on We're going to buy those Bibles. That's not a you know that's a pretty hefty expense. What's crazy? Here's a sec- more to that story. Is the day that um, we gave out those or they gave those um, study Bibles? He came up to me afterward. He said, i got to tell you this. He said, we did our tax return. We got it back. We got a refund. It was two times the amount we thought it was going to be. Two times the amount. I'm like, are you serious? He's like, dead serious. He's like, I can't explain. He said, I looked over my return. I talked to even our accountant. I don't know how. It was two times the amount what we thought it was going to be. Now, hear me. That's not saying God will give you double what you give. (laughs) Sometimes you give and you get more bills in the mail the next week. Been there. But when you give, you have the promise with confident anticipation that my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. And that is beautiful. There are stories waiting for you. God's stories as you step out in faith, content in Christ. Because when you are content in Christ and you're living in obedience to Christ and you're resting in His strength and His supply, you can have this confident anticipation, right? Can you just imagine for a moment, imagine a church, imagine your living community where everyone is just growing in their contentment in Christ, I mean, they're just growing. They're just satisfied in Jesus. Jesus is enough. And as a result, everyone's just giving generously. They're meeting needs of the church, meeting needs of their community, their living community. There's no whining, right, about our circumstances or how little we have or whatever. And there's this confident anticipation that, man, if Jesus went to the cross for us, man, he's going to take care of us. I mean, there's all that. Can you imagine what that would look like to the people who don't know Christ that are watching your life and watching your community? They might be like, man, what do you guys got? You're all so joyful and man, you're barely making it. Yeah, but let me tell you why. Let me, let me tell you why. Because you know what? We're investing a lot into helping people know Jesus. and Imagine what that would say. So listen, as you guys and as we together as a church live Christ, we make him known. and I'm telling you, you are going to experience the struggle of discontent. You're going you're gonna to experience that as you live the mission. And when you do, when you do, Remember, I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. Why? Because my God will supply all my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Because the secret to joyful contentment is being in Christ, living in obedience to Christ, resting in his strength and his promise that he will supply. So what is Jesus saying to you this morning? Or what do you need to do in response to what he's saying? Stand with me. Let me ask that question again. What is Jesus saying to you this morning? And what do you need to do in response to what he's saying to you? Maybe you're here and you're not content because you haven't fully surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. And the response to that is to just like we would leave our bedroom door open so our kids can come in. the The door to Christ is always open. You just come in this morning and he welcomes you. Maybe for others of us, it's, you know what, I need to invest my life more into the mission. We need to be having neighbors over, whatever, so that they can see Christ in us. Maybe God's saying to you this morning, we need to step, we need to give. And we need to give generously. And I'm not just saying that to living church. I'm saying maybe there's another ministry, whatever, that God's laying on your heart. You just need to give and you need to give generously to grow in your contentment in Jesus Christ. But as you live Christ this week and the struggle of discontentment, when that creeps in, remember this promise. I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. Why? Because my God will supply my needs according to His riches in Christ Jesus. Lord Jesus, thank You. Thank You for going to the cross for us. When we ever question if You love us or You will meet our needs, turn our gaze back to the cross, to Your cross. And we thank You that You came from heaven, you're rich, and yet you became poor so that we might become rich in your grace and in your love this morning. And we can go, we can continue to live this mission that you've called us to, knowing that we're in Christ, we're safe, and you'll supply our needs. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for being enough for us. Thank you for being all we need. Thank you for your promises. And may we sing... These moments of worship as our hearts cry to you, Lord Jesus, we love you this morning. It's in your name I pray. Amen.